Yeah, folks, it's that time of the week. Matt Derrick's back from Chiefs Digest to tell me what I'm doing wrong and tell you what you need to know about where the Chiefs are in this little bit of lull before we see them out at Phase 3. Lots of fun stuff coming today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, folks. This is Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, and this is where we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs on all the platforms for free, everywhere you can get it. If you can think of somewhere, you can find us on there. But if you would, please like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube. That helps us bring in guests like Matt Derrick here, the beat reporter extraordinaire from ChiefsDigest.com that you must go subscribe to and check out and read his work because I might go off on a tangent every now and then. You absolutely have no way to know that. But Matt will reel me in. And if you want to see more about not just Chiefs, you can check out NFL33.com, my new Substack where me and my staff are going down league-wide issues, uh, trends in front offices, the draft, et cetera, et cetera. You can check that out as well as RokeAPC.com. Matt Derrick does the work that I wish we could all do in seeing things in, in person. And I know that it was, it was a good week last week uh, for the rookie camp, got off to a start, but now comes, I think, what is a very big hitch in the giddy-up for Brett Veach and his front office coming this offseason, and that is the fact that you used a really rare UFA tag in order to try to secure yourself, uh, what's a nice way to put it, an elderly pass rusher that still might be able to help you out. Um, and he said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go down to the sun in Miami. Seems like everybody's going down there. And has left, I think, a pretty decent hole in the Chiefs' defensive front that I they're going to have to address somehow, in my opinion. But how important is the fact that they seem to have lost Melvin Gordon at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's important. I mean, it's definitely a, a glitch in the matrix. You know, this was always... Uh, I don't want to say it was plan A, because certainly, I mean, if it was plan A, you would have just thrown anything that you've got at, at Melvin Ingram to make sure that he stays in Kansas City. But this was certainly plan B, you know, that if something else better didn't come along, um, some other things maybe didn't develop, then, hey, you always felt like Melvin Ingram was a, a good safety net to have for this team. Um, let's face it, I mean, at his age, like you said it, I mean, what the Chiefs would be expecting of him is a lot of what they got last year, which wouldn't mean that he's out there for 80% of the snaps or anything like that. If anything, I mean, it would probably be the, a similar role this year, if not even maybe a smaller role, because... You know, this is a guy at this point in his career. I mean, I think you're you're hoping if you're the Chiefs that he can just be a situational pass rusher. Um, that's, you know, asking more than that from Elvin Ingram is probably asking a little bit too much at this stage. So that's what the Chiefs hoped was there. I mean, they, they hoped that at this point that if they didn't find something better, that a situational pass rusher that has some experience in the system that they trust, that's pretty good at being that, would be available with Ingram. And instead, he goes to Miami. Hey, the Chiefs, Covered all their bases. You know, using that tag was an indication that, hey, they knew there wasn't a slam dunk that Ingram was going to sign. The tag also meant that if he went to another team, they'd get the compensation. So they're not left holding him, you know, an empty bag or anything like that. I mean, it's not the best scenario that they'd hoped for, but it's the situation that they're dealt with. And now, you know, it's, did, did, hey, did the Chiefs do anything wrong with going after Ingram? I've got no reason to believe that. Um, you, you said it's, it's nice, warm Miami. There's a lot of reasons to want to go play in Miami. And, and I, and I can tell you this from talking with executives and talking with players, the fact that my, that Florida doesn't have a state income tax is not an insignificant factor. 
So you right. can't just say, hey, the Chiefs didn't match what the Dolphins were offering. Chiefs might have matched what the Dolphins were offering. They just couldn't match some of the other things that the Dolphins have. So, I, hey, if, if the Chiefs wanted and felt like they needed Melvin Ingram here at all cost, he'd be in Kansas City. He's not. So, you know, I, I think that you have to look at it that way. I mean, look at it that Chiefs are going to look elsewhere. Uh, I, I, and I think that the other part of this to really consider is that what Brett Veach was telling us all offseason, and he didn't come out and say it in explicit terms, but just parsing the statements of everything that he said from the combine on through the draft was this wasn't a one-year fix on the defensive line and rebuilding the pass rush. This was going to be a multi-year project. They weren't planning mm-hmm. to get it all done in this offseason. Are they better at edge rusher now than they were a year ago at this point? I'd probably argue yes, but you know that doesn't mean they're done. Right. I don't think that they can be, and I would have that argument with you because I think it's very, very, very close. And unfortunately, remember I don't think a year ago as, as they didn't have Melvin Ingram; they had Chris Jones at edge rusher. <laughs> right, and I was gonna go. I was gonna do that next segment, Matt. Technically, they didn't even have Chris Jones yet because we weren't even the OTAs where that talk really exploded. So a year ago, at this point, they had Frank Clark and Mike Dana. Yeah. My data, Joshua Kando. I don't even think Okafor had resigned yet. Ah, good point. Okay. All right. So fine. You talked me into it. They're in better shape than they were <laughs> at this point last year. Um, and, and we got a few months, so they have to play a ball game, folks. So we, we're going to be okay. But I think we do need to get into the ramifications of this and what we should expect in order to make a couple of moves or if they make moves at all. I, I think they should, but we'll find out what you think on the backside of this. Whether you're trying to get fitter or you're just trying to live a cleaner life, Built Bar can help you. These are the bars that you want to get. They're the best tasting protein bars out there. They do their job, including the puffs as well as these flavors that you can get all over the place. They're incredible. And it doesn't matter if you like the, the cinnamony churro, the coconut marshmallow, the straight coconut brownie chunk that I love, as well as the toffee almond. They're all there. They're all delicious. And they give you what you need to try to stay fit and support yourself in your goals for this new year. They're low-calorie, high-protein, and low in everything that you don't need. You can go over there. They're generally about 130 to 150 calories. They have four grams of net sugars. They have four net carbs. They have 17, on average, grams of protein per bar. You can compare them to like a candy bar. It's like 240 calories. and That's what you get the difference in using Built Bars. Mint Brownie's a popular flavor right now. They have a bunch of the new puffs that are the marshmallow protein. I love the new uh, white chocolate cookies and cream, as well as some of these classics like the coconut brownie. Check them out over at Built Bar. Make sure that you check everything that they have. Our offer, as always, is at Built.com. It's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So that said, a veteran presence, a guy that can get off the ball pretty quickly, um, like you said, it wasn't an 80% uh, of the snaps kind of role. It really was the, the, the icing on the top uh, on the top of the cake to get to the quarterback. And that's the only thing that I think you have to be cautious with here. We have not seen a resurgence of Frank Clark. We have a rookie slated to start on the opposite side. We have concerns. Those of us who cover this team, I think, are a little more even keeled. I know the fan base is fired up, but you can't let this lie and just go into this season with Karloftis and Clark, your starters, with Kando slated to possibly be primary backup along with Mike Dana, that's just not enough firepower, in my opinion. Do you think that that's what happens, though? 
I mean, I don't think it does. I mean, I, I do think that the cheese will probably add another experienced, you know, pass rusher. Uh, you know, will it be one of the big names out there? Not necessarily. I mean, it, it could, it, you know, and honestly, I mean, there's even some names that, you know, just haven't re-signed yet with the Chiefs that could be back into the fold. I mean, you never know. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that they'll add some of the numbers. I mean, that's that's the one thing that, unfortunately, they probably need is just some numbers still at that position. So mm-hmm. there's still some work to be done. Um, but then again, I mean, you know, one of the reasons, uh, and, and you could probably, you could make the argument that the chiefs are maybe being naive about this, but I, you know, I know that one of the arguments internally that they would make, and, and I think even Brett Veach may have even said this in one of his availabilities this spring is to say, look, you know what, they were one of the leaders in the league last year in, in hurries. And there's the argument to be made that, Hey, sometimes hurries turning into sacks is just bad luck. So they feel like, hey, they were around the quarterback. They were infecting the quarterback. It doesn't mean that, you know, hey, reversion to the mean kind of a thing, that maybe they don't get more sacks this year. And, 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 and yeah, that's going to be taken the wrong way because remember last year there was the, the whole controversy with, you know, Steve Spagnuolo supposedly saying that, you know, pressure in the quarterback doesn't matter. No, it does. He thinks that. He believes that. But they also do believe that there's other ways to affect a quarterback than just getting sacks. So there's other ways to do that. I, you know, and I'm, I don't, and I don't say that the Chiefs are in this position, but I'm in this position where I'm actually asking myself, does it, does it matter? Because I'm seeing teams playing the Chiefs that have no intention whatsoever of going after the quarterback. They're sending three and four guys after Patrick Mahomes and crossing their fingers that they'll get there, and they're dropping seven and eight in coverage all the time. I mean, are are we to a point in the NFL, especially in the AFC, where that's what you have to do, where you have to get after the quarterback? Because what I see is everybody in the AFC doing the exact opposite to Mahomes. So what have the Chiefs done this offseason? Well, they bulked up their cornerbacks and they bulked up their safety rooms. So I think they're a lot more equipped to do exactly to, you know, Herbert's and the and the Burroughs and the Josh Allens of the AFC than exactly what teams have done to Mahomes over the last two years. See, that's an interesting point, and I don't disagree with you, but to me that makes it more prevalent about your front three. Because even if you are dropping eight, you're sending three. They have to be able to get home. And the guy that you need to lead on right here is Chris Jones, but if he can be double-teamed every single snap, because let's be honest, Frank Clark isn't taking no double-teams. Frank gets a chance to rush one-on-one. You got to get home. And with a rookie on one side and Frank Clark in the situation that he's in, I don't know that that's a good recipe to actually even pressure the quarterback when you have at least five blockers available to try and stop you. Yeah, and that's that's why I, I think that Brett Veach saw this from the very beginning as a as a two-year fix. Now, part of that was because he looked at this free agent class, and and I think that he saw this group and was like, you know what? There's nobody out there that we want to commit the money to. I mean, and you certainly look at some of the deals that were handed out. I love Von Miller, but I don't think that contract's going to be a smart decision. And it might not be a smart decision in three months, much less, you know, 12 months or 18 months or 24 months. And that's a six-year deal. So, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, going, looking back at its free agent standpoint, is, is there anyone that you'd really say, gosh, I wish the Chiefs had given that money out to that guy instead? I, I can't, I can't make the argument. And that's why I think that, you know, that, that the Chiefs were in the spot where they were like, hey, we're going to 
attack the edge rusher position in the draft. We're going to go early, you know, certainly planning on going after and getting an edge rusher early, which is exactly what they did. If an edge rusher fell into their lap, there was a good deal available. There was a good trade available. They'd consider it. And let's face it. I mean, we're on, we're in May. We're in mid-May. We got a long ways to go. And, and, and Brad Veach certainly left the breadcrumbs out there when talking about the Orlando Brown contract situation that, hey, if Orlando Brown were to get his contract done and they were able to get some salary cap relief for this season, there's trade possibilities out there. I mean, he could still make a move to add a veteran pass rusher via the trade market. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. And I think that was probably always a much better solution than going after anybody in this free agent market because this free agent market for the top edge rushers was way overpriced. It absolutely was. And that is prohibitive for what you're trying to do. This was a unique opportunity with the Hill trade that allowed you to reset maybe a year, maybe two years early in what you were going to have to do anyway in, in order to rebuild the defensive side of the ball. It gives you a jump start, <clears throat> but you can't just let it lie and say, oh, hey, look, I got a, I got an early start there. There's still a lot of work to be done because in the meantime, you have to be competitive because you cannot afford to burn a year of the Mahomes contract. As big as it is, it's still looking like a deal now compared to what we're seeing for the rest of the market. You cannot afford to do that. So you have to supplement. And I wonder if, like you said, one of the, the veterans that's out there maybe isn't enough, but I'm really intrigued by the prospect of if it all hinges on Orlando getting that done and maybe going out and trying to pry someone away from another team. Do you, while you said it's, it's a long shot, it is a significant possibility. You said veteran. In my mind, I want to trade, if I'm looking to, produce one from thin air i'm trying to go steal a guy that's underperformed as a first round pick like we've seen him do with free agents but he's still on a roster somebody like young in washington or something along those lines do you think that that's a, a battle that they want to try and fight or is it just take the the low-hanging fruit and get somebody that's out there that you feel can provide a little bit of of, of sublimation on top of george karloftis yeah, I mean, there's there's several different categories of players that you're talking about that the Chiefs could go after. And, you know, and, and right now, hey, with the salary cap situation the way that it is, yeah, you know what? You would probably be most likely talking about, mm, hey, maybe it is a veteran pass rusher that just doesn't have a very big salary cap hit that would be available. Maybe it's a team that's rebuilding or, you know, hey, it, maybe it's something that you're going to have to get into the season and see where you are and maybe, maybe it can make an Melvin Ingram type move. Um, there's also, you know, there's going to be some edge rushers available probably in, in the training camp. You know, there's going to be teams that are looking to make some moves and maybe there'll be one of the, another one of those veterans. And you're right. That's exactly, you know, in that kind of July timeframe is exactly when Brett Beach has made some of those moves in the past. Like the Reggie Ragland deal was, you know, in the training camp when you're talking about a guy that, you know, had worn out his welcome and now it was time for a fresh start. Sometimes you have to get into OTAs and training camps for teams to realize, you know, who those candidates are. Uh, and then, you know, and then the other candidate is you swing for the fences. Like I said, you know, if you get or Orlando Brand's contract restructured and extended and you get some cap savings, now you can start taking a look at, you know, who are the free agents next year that are not going to be re-signed by their teams. Maybe you know, you've got one year left under you, maybe a two years left in their deal that you can go out and, and acquire and then re-sign and extend them yourself because maybe they're not going to do that with their current team. I mean, it's exactly the Frank Clark situation. Yep. Now. You got to get that right because, you know, some part of the reason why the Chiefs are in this spot because Breland Speaks didn't work. And right. while Frank Clark got you a Super Bowl, it's not working right now. So, you know, it's but that's the other thing. And, and I think it's interesting about how the Chiefs have maybe have not moved on to this free agent market yet is that 
it's still about the right 53. And and I think there's still some names out there in the free agent market that probably wouldn't be fits in Kansas City, whether it's mm-hmm. a scheme fit, whether it's, uh, you know, a willing to come in here and be the maybe fifth or sixth banana on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some alphas that don't want to come in and be that guy. Uh, so, you know, that's a factor. Sometimes it's just not going to be the personality fit. I mean, that's that's something that, you, you know, that Brett Veach is taking very, very seriously this year. So it's not just take an edge rusher. It's 33 years old. It's on the free agent market and, you know, paste him in. It's got to be the right guy or else I think they're going to go to war with what they have. I like that you brought it around to that because the the next thing that I want to talk about is setting that foundation. And with this, a rookie class that played a ton last year and in the expectation that this rookie class is going to play a ton this year, you have to be careful with, with who you put in that room in order to not crack the foundation now as they're just becoming core players with all these picks high in the draft. I think that's really important. We're going to get into that after we tell you about our pals. Football season might be over, but basketball is picking up steam and all the pro and college hoops are going right now. March Madness is on the way as well. Lots of odds, totals, player performances, props, anything you can think of where you want to know what is the odds to lay. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting action. It doesn't necessarily have to be basketball either. It can be any kind of sports, hockey, boxing, UFC, Pro soccer, anything out there that you want to put some action on, you can do it. Bet Online remains the best place for all of your sports scores and podcasts and news this season, next season, and every season. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action and get the news that you need to be smart about laying your odds at Bet Online where the game starts. It all for me comes down to the fact that you went and got a pass rusher that is Spag's guy, that is his type. But he's not a finished product. He's a younger guy. He's less experienced than most once they get drafted at that age. <clears throat> so for me, one of the most intriguing things for me in terms of front office decision-making here from now until week one is how do you support George Karloff's development as best you can? And I want to start with this because what you said in the last segment kind of ties me into where you have to go. But if you want to go to war with what you got, do you feel that Frank Clark can be a mentor to another edge rusher that is that young and that inexperienced? Because I have serious doubts. You know what? I I actually think that he can and would. I mean, yeah. you know, that's one thing that when Frank Clark got here to Kansas City, you know, he talked a lot about the guys who helped him earlier in the league. And and he has certainly been a, you know, a, a mentor and a helper and a teacher to you know, some of the other young guys on this team already. I mean, and we, you know, he's, he's talked in the past about his note taking and, you know, and, and some of the habits that he actually, that Frank Clark has that do rub off on this some other guys, guys are leaders in different ways. And, and even though, you know, I can see, Hey, maybe Frank Clark isn't the traditional, you know, kind of face of a mentor that you'd kind of see and everything like that. I do see him as someone who is willing to work with a young guy that's willing to show him the ropes, you know, the way to teach him how to be a pro because, you know, the Chiefs can, hey, they, they brought in Joe Colon for a reason to meet their new defensive line coach. This is a guy who's coached a lot of pro bowlers and some very successful edge rushers. And it, and, and I think that they absolutely made that move with the long-term thinking, you know what, we're putting some draft picks into this position. And not that we don't like Brendan Daly. Obviously, they liked him enough to keep him around, and he's in the linebacker room. And I think he's a great assistant coach. But, but Joe Colon has got a great track record of working with young kids. So now you got a coach that can get the most out of him. You you feel like you put him into a system that he's going to fit. 
he's got a guy like Frank Clark, who I think is going to teach him the good habits and, and how to be a pro in this league. And that's I that I think is probably one of the best ways that Frank Clark can be a mentor. I know, hey, there'll probably be some jokes about off the field issues and not being like Frank that way. But right. I tell you what, on the field, and you take a look at how Frank practices and how he approaches the meeting rooms. I mean, that's one reason why the Chiefs love this guy, because he's always been an exemplary player inside that facility. And I think he can be that kind of, you know, watch what he does. And I think they'll absolutely tell George Gorge Karloftis, you be a shadow with Frank Clark and you do what he does. I hope that you're right. I, I'm not convinced of that in my personal opinion, but you make a lot of, of sensible arguments there. And Frank, if you're listening, be be like Matt said, just just do that. Um, that said, in order to support him more, and I do like the Cullen hire, it does make me think that if you if you are going to like start playing that game of eight in coverage and you're only rushing three, he's got a lot of three, four experience. He's made some really good pass rushers out of that move. And I think Karloftis, I even put in my pre-draft evaluation of him before he was chief, that his transition to a five tech in a, in a three-man front is, is nearly as easy as seeing him play edge, in my opinion. So I, I like that crossover ability there. But they are different skill sets. So how do you supplement him and help him along with some of the things that he does have to do? And I wonder if if it's not going to be just in-house. If you're going to go out and get somebody, there's one player that he's been compared to over and over and over, who's a street-free agent right now. And he's 33 years old. I don't know that he has much left in the tank to actually provide in terms of pass rush. But in terms of being a player built like George, that is explosive in a straight line like George and doesn't have a whole lot of bend like George and has to play in other ways. I wonder what you think of the idea of bringing in Ryan Kerrigan specifically to be a mentor in that role, in that body type, in that play style that could be a mirror for what Karloftis has to be in this league. Yeah, I mean, well, you can't have enough of those guys. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, if the if the Chiefs feel like Kerrigan would be a fit from a scheme standpoint, a financial standpoint, a role standpoint. And I think that he probably fits into the category of a player that I would say, yes, that I think mm-hmm. he would fit in with this team. Um, I think he'd probably accept the role that he'd be given, you know, and, if, and certainly if the Chiefs were like, hey, we're looking for a guy who's going to come in here and play 30% of the snaps, but also, you know, teach George the ropes and be the guy that he can shadow and follow along and everything. He seems like the kind of player that would be well suited to that. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's the kind of player that actually would be a pretty good fit. And that might be something that the Chiefs absolutely consider. I don't see whether they wouldn't. Uh, but once again, I mean, you know, with all these players, it comes back to what do they want? And mm-hmm. sometimes it's they want to be in a specific situation. Maybe they want to be in a specific town. Maybe they want to be close to home. Maybe they don't want to play for a certain coach. I mean, you never know. So, you know, it's it's hard to it's it's hard. That's why, I, you know, I, I think it's really easy to just go ahead and pick some names. And there's bigger names in the free agent market that I know that Chiefs fans would love to see in Kansas City. But again, it comes back to are they good fits? Kerrigan seems like he'd be a pretty good fit. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And I know we spent most of the day talking about edge, but you also need some pass rush from the interior as well. And I, I wonder if an addition there doesn't help the entire front play a little bit better. Um, nothing against Derek Nani. I think he's great on first and second down, but we know that he's not a pass rush specialist. And then you're putting some eggs in the basket of, of Colin Saunders and Turk Warden and Stalwart's brand new to this roster. He had one year of production as a pass rusher, but I wonder if there isn't somewhere out there in, like you said, the attrition from other rosters that you have to look at, at a, a tackle pass rusher as well to add to this mix. Well, and again, I mean, that, that to me is a perfect example of, you know, just getting the right fit. I mean, there was no criticism necessarily of Jaron Reed last year, but at the same time, 
clearly didn't fit into this defense. I mean, the production wasn't there. It wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like the same type of player that he'd been in Seattle. So, you know, that was just a situation where it didn't fit. So, you know, you do want to make sure, and I think that's probably part of that experience is, you know, going into making sure that the Chiefs do bring in a veteran to play in there. That's going to be somebody who's, you know, comfortable with the role that they're going to be asked to play and understanding that, hey, Chris Jones is the guy. And, and let's face it, I mean, a healthy Chris Jones back in the interior is the single most important thing that this Chiefs defense can do to improve its pass rush. I mean, for all the criticism that we're talking about the pass rush, I mean, remember, Chris Jones was probably playing with one arm last season and one leg because, you know, I know that the groin and the wrist were both bothering him most of the season. So if Chris Jones is healthy, that's an upgrade in and of itself. Even even another year on Chris Jones, if he's healthy, that's an upgrade on the inside. And now you got Karloftis too. I mean, and, and you know, with Frank Clark, I think you just kind of have to roll the dice and see what you got. I mean, if Frank Clark is healthy and his, and his head's in the right place, that can be a productive player and could be better than the Frank Clark from a year ago. So, I mean, I see that there's ways that even with the Chiefs, if they stand pat, can be better than they were a year ago. You're right. I'm not mm-hmm. expecting Taylor Stallworth or a, a Derek Nadia to find a new gear or anything. Um, the one guy, well, I think there's two players on this team that you look at and you're saying, you know, hey, is there anything more that you can get out of them? Tershawn Wharton is one whom, you know, I think still played really well last year, but maybe just didn't take that leap that you were expecting from year one to year two. Sometimes there's a delayed effect. I mean, if 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 Tershawn Wharton were to take a leap this year, that would be nice. And then Malik Herring, whom we all fell in love with during the rookie tra- rookie minicamp. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I, I, I can't remember how you felt about him coming out, but, you know, had he not torn his ACL, it was probably a draft pick two years ago. Yeah. So to a degree, you can probably say that you know, the Chiefs not only you know added a first-round edge rusher, they probably added maybe a fifth or a sixth round edge rusher too in this year's draft because they're going to have Malik Herring back. And he's a guy that I'm really interested in seeing. Yeah, I am as well. And I will say this, the versatility he can go inside as well. Didn't do it a lot at Georgia, but the film that I watched, he had a couple of snaps that I, I thought he looked pretty good in there. So it is about the health and the situation. And last thing that I want to ask you is, am I making this too big a deal? Is this the biggest question on this roster right now, or is there something else that we should be talking about that I'm not? No, I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, to me, and and I was talking with someone about this last night, you know, if if it's February and we're talking about the Chiefs didn't get it done, they didn't make it back to the AFC Championship game, didn't make a Super Bowl, what held them back? I mean, to me, it's one of two things. It, and this is writing off the idea, you know, knock on wood, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt or, you know, you lose a key player. But sure. the two biggest things would be, one, the offense with the new playmakers and the new skill players just doesn't mesh and the offense doesn't find its old gear or the defense lets you down and you can't stop the pass in January. And if you can't stop the pass, a good reason why is because you're not, you didn't get to the quarterback. Um, that's, it was essentially, you know, what was kind of, you know, doomed the chiefs defensively at the end of last year. They, they stopped being able to get to the quarterback. So that to me, it, I don't think we're making too much of this because from a, on the defensive side of the football, I think that is their biggest question It's not necessarily the biggest question on the team. I mean, it's that this team's success is still going to be driven by what happens on the offensive side. And if Mahomes and his new receivers and the new guys all click, but you know, if if we're nitpicking, because we're, we're nitpicking, this is a team that's going to win. 
I mean, I think the over-under is 10 and a half, and I would hammer that because I think that this is a team that if it's healthy, is guaranteed to win you 11 ball games and could win a lot more than that. Question is, you know, how far can they take them? They're only going to go as far as the offense, and I think the defensive line is going to take them. Yeah. And then that's fair accusation. That's what it comes down to. The, the thing that I would worry about probably beyond that is how do you adapt to what you're getting on defense? And that includes running the ball more. And folks, tomorrow, Chris and I are going to go through the running back position, what we can expect, what we're going to look for. Don't miss tomorrow because I know you guys love running backs a whole lot more than I do. I like the run game, not the backs, but we'll have that discussion tomorrow. Don't miss it. Thanks for making us your first listen. We appreciate your time. Make sure you grab another Locked On podcast for your second listen today. And make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell here on YouTube. And check out Chiefs Digest, where all of Matt's work is. And that's where you get the actual information that I ingest and then ask stupid questions. So that's the way that this game rolls. Matt, thanks for the time and straightening us out again. And don't believe Ryan. He loves fullbacks. <clears throat> he will always love fullbacks. <laughs> Every last one. Um, by the way, sneak peek, folks. Mike Burr. 